Bibles, please turn to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, verses 19 through 27. Jeremiah 17, 19 through 27. I'm going to do my best to present to you uh, the teachings of Jeremiah and the teachings of the Sabbath throughout Scripture. Um, some of you may walk away confused, angry, other of you walk away encouraged. Either way, I'm always available for lunch, breakfast, and dinner. Come, let me know, and I'll be glad to explain and teach and defend what I have to say tonight. I believe it's biblical and I believe it's what God wants to hear. So let's ask the Lord to bless the preaching of his word. Father, we come before you and we're thankful for how you love us. We're thankful for your major prophets that preach to us in such a way that challenges our hearts. We pray, O oh God, that we would learn from Jeremiah tonight. We pray, Father, that we would have hearts that long for that Sabbath rest. Long to come boldly before you. Thank you, Father, for what we've heard from Hebrews. Such a potent chapter in Hebrews 4. We pray, O oh God, that we would know you more. But unless the Spirit changes our hearts and speaks to us, Father, these are but words that we don't understand. So, Father, we beg and pray that you would help us this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jeremiah 17, verse 19. Thus said the Lord to me, Go and stand in the people's gates, by which the kings of Judah enter, and by which they go out. And in all the gates of Jerusalem say, Hear the words of the Lord, you kings of Judah. And all Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem who enter by these gates, thus says the Lord, take care for the sake of your lives, and do not bear a burden on the Sabbath day, or bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem, and do not carry a burden out of the houses on the Sabbath, or do any work, but keep the Sabbath day holy, as I commanded your fathers. Yet they did not listen or incline their ear, but stiffened their neck, that they might not hear or receive instruction. But if you listen to me, declares the Lord, and bring in no burden by the gates of the city on the Sabbath day, but keep the Sabbath day holy and do no work on it, then there shall enter by the gates of this city kings and princes who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their officials, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and this city shall be inhabited forever. The people shall come from the cities of Judah and the places around Jerusalem, from the land of Benjamin, from the Shephelah, from the hill country, and from the Negev, bringing burnt offerings and sacrifices, grain offerings and frankincense, and bringing thank offerings to the house of the Lord. But if you do not listen to me, keep the Sabbath day holy, and not to bear a burden, and enter by the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, and I will kindle a fire in its gates, and it shall devour the places of Jerusalem, and shall not be quenched. And thus is the reading, the very word. God, I don't know if you've ever given a gift to someone and it's been a complete dud. I have a long history of giving my wife gifts that are complete duds. But every now and then, I'll hit a home run. I'll give her something that's not going to be sold on eBay the next year. I won't give her something that's going to take a goodwill. One of the best gifts I've ever given my wife is one of these robotic vacuums. It goes around the whole house and it vacuums. You don't have to lift a finger. It vacuums the floors for you. And Danielle, when she comes home from work, loves to see those beautiful lines in the carpet as if they're vacuumed. And I can study all day 
And she comes home, and there's lines in the carpet as if it were vacuum, and I didn't even touch the vacuum. Because our little robot friend did all the work. And when I gave her this robot vacuum, you have to go on the internet and you plug into your phone what days you want it to work. And her and I had an existential crisis for a moment, thinking about our robot friend. What day is this robot going to work? And we thought about the days, the hours, and we thought about the Lord's day. Are we going to make our little robot work on the Lord's day? And you may be looking at me thinking, Travis, you know your robot doesn't have a soul. You know it's not real. And I was like, I'm fully aware of that. Both my wife and I both have degrees. We understand our robot's not real, and it's just a little vacuum. But in honor of the Sabbath, we were not going to cause our little robot to have a burden. We were not going to put a burden upon its back that should not be upon it. And on the Lord's Day, it rests right there in this little cradle. And it charges up, waiting for the next week to go out and do its work. See, Judah, this is not, they didn't understand this. They were thinking, the Sabbath day is just another day. Carrying their burdens out of their house, their work. Forcing their animals to work. As if it's just a normal day of the week. This passage is not a hard passage to understand. We've seen Jeremiah before in the temple, in the city gates, preaching this temple sermon. He's doing it again. We don't know if the people's gate is the Benjamin gate or is it a, a temple gate. We know the priests and the Levites did not go through this gate. But we see everybody else was going through this gate. This is his second sermon by which I like to call the sandwich board sermon. He's got that sandwich board on. He's preaching to the, the masses. You've seen those people. This is Jeremiah. And he's pleading his heart to them. And he's saying, what are you doing? You're working? You're causing everyone else to work? You're taking your burdens from your home? What are you doing? If you listen to the Lord, you'll get blessings. And if you don't, you'll get cursings. What I wanted to do this evening was give you five points. The who, what, when, where, and how of the Sabbath. The first thing we're going to see is what is the Sabbath that Jeremiah speaks of. The second thing we're going to see is who is the Sabbath for. The third thing we'll see is when is the Sabbath. The fourth thing we'll see is where is the Sabbath practice. Five, how do we keep it? What the why in the conclusion? So that's not a technical point. So the what, who, when, where, and how. And as we look at what is this Sabbath, this Sabbath is a gift from the Lord. When you look at the etymology of the word Sabbath, it means to, to stop. It means to stop what you're doing. Stop your work. And some people may say, well, this, this must happen with Moses. The Sabbath predates Moses. Sabbath predates Judaism. See, the Sabbath was established by God himself. When you read the accounts of God creating the heavens and the earth, as we did in the junior high Sunday school class this morning, as we look, we read over Genesis 2, 2, 2, 3, and we see by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. 
So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Do you think God was tired? You know, the kids in Sunday school, they looked at me and said, no. Why would you ask that? Or why do you, why do you, why do you think of rest? Why did he rest? The reason he rested is because the work was complete. It was done. He rested and said, look what I did. This is amazing. This is mine. I created everything. This is absolutely incredible. And for the rest of the people's lives, I will get glory brought to me because of what my work has done. And he glories in his work on that seventh day, and that day of completion. And it's completely in honor of him. He says, don't work. Honor me. This is what Jeremiah is so upset about. Verse 19. Thus said the Lord to me, go and stand at the people's gate. Whatever gate that is, by which the kings of Judah enter in, these are the leadership, maybe the different governors in the different areas. Go in there and say this. Hear the word of the Lord, you kings of Judah and all of Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem enter these gates. Thus says the Lord, take care for your sake of your lives, and do not bear a burden on the Sabbath day, or bring it into the gates of Jerusalem, and do not carry a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath day, or do any work, but keep the Sabbath day holy. Holy means set apart. That means this day is a little bit different than the rest of the six days. This is the day that you rest from your worldly labors. And this is a day when you set aside from the other six of the days and you do what? You recognize God's work. You recognize that you're not God and God is. And what they were doing, Judah didn't care. Calvin in his commentary would say this. He says that Judah was so audacious in the time of Jeremiah that they openly violated the Sabbath. Now this isn't like they were going behind the doors and not, you know, we're not going to post it on social media. But they were posting on social media. They were letting everybody know that they're violating the Sabbath. But Calvin would say that's worse to be open about it. At least be private so you're not causing everybody else to sin. He says men were so lost that they pretended they had no religion. The licentiousness of the people was so great. They had no shame. They openly showed that they wholly cast away the yoke of God and his law. They hated it. Look at verse 23. This is what they did. They did not listen or incline their ear, but they stiffened their neck that they might not receive instruction. They didn't want to hear what God's word said about keeping this day holy. Keeping it separate from the other six days of the week. Making this a special day. Oh no, we will not do any of this. We will continue mixing our work and commerce and pleasure. But see, we've been listening to Jeremiah now. So it was 20 sermons, 25 sermons. And we know that there's a heart problem. It's always a heart problem. Think about this. The nation of Babylon is barreling down upon them from the north, squeezing out money from them. 
Because whatever the big dog in the country was, they're going to take their tribute from you. Oh, you're going to be paying taxes to them. Then you've got to pay taxes to your own people. And not only that, you've got trials from the, from, from the east coming, and sometimes they're coming in, you've got to pay them tribute. You know boats can come now to the Mediterranean take them. And then you've got Egypt in the south that has invaded twice that we're going to read through the book of Jeremiah. So no matter where you looked, you had people trying to fight for their, for their money. And then if you were here two months ago, Jeremiah talked about the great drought that came through Judah. And when a drought comes, you have no grain to sell. And you know the economy tanks. You've got people wondering, where, where am I going to get my next meal from? It's a hard issue. They couldn't trust the Lord that he would provide. They're thinking, well, well, everybody else is showing up in the city. Maybe now's a good day to make an extra dollar. I had an old pastor tell me this, and you've heard this said from the old pastor. Young ones can't say it. I'm just quoting the old one. They tell you you can live more on 90% than you can 100%. Talking about giving your, your, your tithes. That math doesn't add up. I'm just being honest with you. Do some math. We have the one with the PhD in math. He probably tells you yeah, the math doesn't add up. But I guarantee you, he'll tell you this: it's true. Because the Lord will bless you. The same way, you can do more on six days than you can on seven. How? Because God said, "Keep my Sabbath day. Remember this day." Trust me. Chick Fil A will tell you. Who is this Sabbath for? We've seen what the Sabbath is, is this rest, but, but who is this Sabbath for? If you remember Exodus 20, when, when the Ten Commandments are given, verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. On the seventh day, the Sabbath the Lord your God. On it you shall not do work, neither you, nor your sons and daughters, nor your male and female servants, nor your animals and your foreigners. This included the animals. It included the animals. You're not going to put this, make this beast of burden do work on the Sabbath. It, it extended to everyone within the city of Jerusalem. It was for everyone to make this day a holy day separate from the other six. The peacock family would argue it even goes to the robot. They didn't have robots in those days, but they did. I think they would have been included. They didn't care. They just didn't care. And you know what the rule is. The rule is one in seven. One in seven. You're to rest one day of the seven. And it was a reminder. It was a reminder to them of who God was and his blessings. Do you remember when the Israelites were in Egypt and wicked Pharaoh? What did Pharaoh was so wicked. He forced them to work 24 hours a day. Well, they slept. But he forced them to work seven days a day. There was no stop. Constant work, constant work, constant work. And as you know, you work like that, you will die at a young age. But Pharaoh and his wickedness said, work, 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 
work, work. And there's some people that want to go back on that slavery. Maybe get a lot of extra money. The sad reality. Some thinking, well, I'm strong. I can, I can live that way. The Sabbath was a blessing to the people, to the animals. This is the purpose of humanity. Oh, God says you're going to have to work. That's a part of keeping the Sabbath. You have to work. But a purpose that God has for humanity is the rest. Remember, the Sabbath was before the fall of Adam. God rested on the seventh day. That was the pattern by which Adam was going to experience in his life, to work and then rest. It's not a Jewish issue. I hear people, well, that's what the, the Jews believe. No, that's what God believes. He invented it. He worked six days and he rested on the seventh. It's a human responsibility. It's something that humans do. And it's for all people even the animals, even the servants, you're to rest. As God designed the sun, the moon, the stars, he designed the Sabbath for man. As a gift, as Jesus would say, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And some will say, wasn't Judah going to temple? What's the big deal? See, you gotta understand, the heart of Judah was checking a box. It was just checking the box. As long as they checked the box, went to the temple, they could have idols in the temple, they could have idols in their home, but they treated God as if he was just another God. Not holy, not set apart, as if he was just one of the pantheon of gods. The Sabbath breaking is always part issue. They weren't worshiping God and glorying in his work. When Sabbath is created for me, blessing for you, for you to stop and say, look what my God has done. I am not strong, I am but weak. Which brings us to the third part of the sermon. When is the Sabbath? We've seen what is the Sabbath, who is the Sabbath for. Now let's talk about when is the Sabbath. How do they know what day the Sabbath was on? You ever think about that? How do they know? And there's some, well, my wife and I were having this conversation. And we understand that the, the Passover celebrations, we understand that they were put the blood on the doorpost, and the death angel come that night. We know Jesus had that Passover meal on Thursday, died on Friday. There's some, there's some questions on when the death angel come on Thursday and Friday. Technically, Jews don't have the Passover on any Monday, Wednesday, or Friday because it falls on their different calendar than us. There's a lot of questions. But I want to I want to remind you and really want you to think about this. There's two ways for you to forget what day of the week it is. Two ways. The good way is this. You go on a long vacation. Best vacations Daniel and I go on is when we look at each other and go, what day of the week is this? I don't know, but I'm having a good time. We have no clue what day of the week it is. Because you're not working. You're on holiday. All you're doing is just playing. And if you've never been on a vacation where you don't know what day of the week it is, that's because you've never vacationed. Well, there's another way not to know what day of the week it is. 
That's when you're working all the time. When you work every single day, you forget what day of the week it actually is. You don't understand the Sabbath. Not just me, but Jonathan Edwards and his perpetuity of the Sabbath would agree with this. God is the one that chose the Sabbath day for his week. He chose it any day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. There are no names for days. But he says this is the day. Because remember the rule was this. One and seven. Work six days and rest on the seventh. Still in keeping with one and seven. And remember, they didn't know what day of the week it was in Egypt. I'm going to make that argument. Because they worked every day. Every day was the same. It's been 400 years that they have spent in Egypt. They have never seen the land that was promised to Abraham. There was just a remnant that was still hoping that God would rescue them. And what God did when he brought them out of Egypt, he not only gave them their home, but he cultivated a culture. He gave them laws. He gave them day, week, and Sabbath. And how did they know what day this Sabbath was going to take place? It was through the revelation of God. They were gathering up food. You see this in Exodus 16. They're gathering up food. And God said, now listen. The day before the Sabbath, we're going to gather double. Why? Because I'm not providing you man on the Sabbath day. You're not going to go out and gather food on the Sabbath day. So you better gather, you, you better gather double on the day before the Sabbath. So they knew. How did they know what day of the week it was? Well, God didn't provide manna that day. And it became a habit for them. It was a habit-forming thing for them that on the day before the Sabbath, they were going to go and they were going to gather all the food and all the quail. And they were looking forward to that. Oh, work, 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 work. Guess what? Pharaoh didn't give us a Sabbath, but you know who did? God. He gives us a break. He gives us rest. And they're looking, looking forward. The truth is, Judah didn't care about looking forward. Did you know all the promises in the Old Testament are looking forward to Jesus some way, sometimes? Sometimes you've got to look deep, and sometimes it's just clear. They should have been looking forward. Their spiritual promises tied to this Sabbath. They need to be forward-looking at this rest. And I want you to think about this. God created the world in six days, and he rested on the seventh, and he looked back and said, wow! What was the last thing that Jesus did on Good Friday? He kept the seventh. That's what he did. He was dead before Sabbath. And what's the last thing Jesus said on that cross? One of the last things he said. He looked back and he said, it is finished. Same thing God said. After God worked six days and the seventh, he rested and said, wow, look at my works. Jesus Christ, on the last day before the Sabbath, says, my work is done. Look at what I did. And he laid on that tomb on Saturday to give rest. He laid there. 
his reasonable soul went to be with God the Father. His, his last thing he did was keep the complete call. And he kept the Sabbath. And all of that was pointing to that great rest that, that Jesus Christ was coming. And you can imagine that Saturday, Jesus is in the tomb. And people are going to the temple, making their sacrifices that mean absolutely nothing. This veil is ripped in two. And you know some of the kids that want to come in there. I heard that veil that we can't see behind is ripped. And the kids are supposed to be in there anyway, but they're trying to peek. You know you'd be looking. I wanted to see back there the whole time I've been living. I want to see what's in the Holy Holies. And the priests are in there trying to do patchwork to that veil. And people are wondering, where's the literal presence of God? We know the ark's not there. Maybe they're lying and hiding it. People are trying their best to look into it. But it means nothing. And if you were a good, good lover of Yahweh, you know what you would have done on the next day? The day after the Sabbath? You'd have read Leviticus 23 because it was during the Passover season. And you knew that the day after the Sabbath, you had to go make one more offering. You can read about it in Leviticus 23, verses 9 through 14. You had to go make your first fruit song. That's the day that you focused on the first fruits. And did you know, interestingly enough, that when Jesus rose again from the dead, it was the same day as the first fruit song. And here comes Paul calling Jesus what? The first fruits of all of those who have fallen asleep in Christ. It's as if the old covenant is screaming, Jesus is coming, and he comes, and he rests. And they knew what day the Sabbath was because they had revelation. And now what do we have? Revelation from God. And we know what day is the Sabbath. We know what day. We know the rule is one and seven. And God could have chosen any day, but he chose that Sunday, the day of the first fruits for the Christian church. And we come to church on the Lord's day. And what do we say? It's finished. Just like Jesus, when he looked at all of his works, and he said, yes, I did them. We rest in Christ and we say it's finished. It's done. Jesus Christ did the work. And every day on the Sabbath, you choose not to work. What you're saying is, Jesus did the work for me. I don't need to work. He'll take care of me. He took care of my soul, and he'll take care of everything I need. And if you want to find real rest, you find it in Christ. Isn't it interesting? Just the language of laying your burdens down. People were taking their burdens to the temple, and here comes Jesus telling us to lay them down. You lay your burdens down and come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, you come to me and you will find rest for your souls. And we need them the Lord's day because we have revelation now. Just as the old covenant church had revelation. 1 Corinthians 16 is really clear. When you meet on the first day of the week, when you meet on the Lord's day, take a collection. John speaks of when I was caught up on the Lord's day, when we gathered together. It's in scripture. And we stop and we recognize this one in seven days. And we know because we have revelation. 
We don't choose the Sabbath day. We don't choose this day. Don't. God chooses that day. And maybe you're looking at me going, you know what, Travis? I read a lot of Calvin. And that's completely good. And you're saying, I read a lot of Dutch theologians, Travis. I don't like your puritanical Western thinking there. Made a word of pretty sure. So you believe that the moral law was fulfilled in the first commandment and you struggle with Sunday being the Lord's Day. Maybe, maybe that's your thinking. Maybe you're like the people in Romans 14 who have been serving God their whole life with all these special Sabbaths and festivals, and you're thinking there's so many different days you have to serve the Lord. And then Paul writes in Romans 14 and says, one person considers one day more sacred than the other, another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully in all life. Verse 14, nothing is unclean in the Maybe you're the weaker brother and you're struggling, and that's really what Paul's talking about. That's the weaker brother who doesn't see the Lord's day is now on the on a Sunday. Maybe you're that person. But you know what I found out most of those people who make that argument like to do? They're not on church on another day of the week all day serving the Lord. Bring the person who has that argument and they're serving the Lord all day on another day. Typically that's the excuse of I've got a new boat, Travis. You know, they opened up this new section of Fort Stewart on that hasn't been on in five years. And then that excuse comes down. But if you literally have that excuse from Calvin and other Dutch people, please see me and I can talk to you about it. But most of the time, it's an excuse, which brings us to where is the Sabbath rest? Well, of course, you know Jeremiah is the prophet of the heart. He's Preaching to these people who have a bad heart on the Sabbath. They didn't care about God. They didn't care about the Sabbath laws because they didn't have the God of the Sabbath in their own hearts. They didn't care. And you say, where is the Sabbath? Well, ultimately, we've been reading Hebrews 4, verse 9, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. The ultimate place the Sabbath resides is in Christ. And Christ resides in our hearts. You know how many people come to me and say, Laws of the Sabbath! And I'm thinking, do you even have the God of the Sabbath in your hearts? Do you even have the Christ and the Lord of the Sabbath in your hearts? See, that's where it starts. It starts with your heart. It starts with worshiping Christ. That's where it starts. We have seen who is the Sabbath. Or we've seen what is the Sabbath. When is the Sabbath? Where is the Sabbath? Now let's look at how do we keep the Sabbath. Now Jeremiah is clear. He tells them not to, not to do work. Don't be doing work. Make this day separate from the other six. And this is where some people, as we talk about how we keep the Sabbath, you've got, a pen, you've got your paper out there and you've got your pen. Give it to them. Let's stick it to the people. Let's give them the rules of the Sabbath. You know they're legalists that give out tickets. You call them the Sabbath rules. Nope, you, you spend it. Here you go. Right? I don't know how you redeem it or pay it off. But anyway, they give you the ticket. They're stealing. There's people like that. And there are people that have a heart that's bent for God. 
But you know there's another group of people that have an antinomian heart. Who are like, you know what? You tell me one thing I can't do on the Sabbath. I'm getting up out of this chair and I'm walking out of here, Travis. You don't tell me what I can do on the Sabbath. God is a God of grace. You've got the antinomian doesn't care about anything that God says, and you got the legalist who goes, give me the checklist, I'm ready. You know what the answer to both of those are? The heart. Christ. Do you love Christ's finished work? Is the God of the Sabbath and the Lord of the Sabbath in your heart? Are you working doubly hard on the day before the Sabbath to make the Sabbath day a special day. Calvin does not like where Beirut, I think it was Beirut that put a lot of this together and we'll get to it as Jehoiakim goes away the first roll. We'll talk a little bit more about the textual aspect of Jeremiah. But Calvin doesn't like that, that Jeremiah is not in chronological order. And he's real snarky. I don't know if you ever read Calvin. He gets snarky. He's snarky. He's like, this clearly should have been placed in another section. I don't think so. I think it's in the perfect section. Chapter 17 is a great chapter to talk about the Sabbath because the Sabbath is a hard issue. And if you look at Jeremiah 17, 9, it doesn't say the heart is totally depraved above everything else, though it is. It doesn't say the heart is is super wicked above everything else, though it is. It is desperately sick. It says the heart above everything is what? Deceitful. Very, very deceitful. Have you ever heard someone say, when you ask them, hey, you come to church? Well, you know what? I really can't make it today because there's a liquor store that's opening up at 12 o'clock, and I've got to go in there and rob the liquor store. They never say, well, I can't go to church today. i got to go home and cheat on my taxes. I'm in the government. I just got to stick it to them. You know what people say they can't miss church? It's always for good reasons. It's never for sinful, wicked reasons. When people violate the Sabbath, it's always for good reasons. They're never out robbing the liquor store. Remember, Judah, the reason this sermon came to them is because they were violating the Sabbath for good reasons. They were on their way to the temple. You know, it's, it's real convenient. I'm, I'm already out here, right? I'm, I'm, I'm already here. I'm already walking. There are people coming into the city. I mean, there is a temple. I don't know where my money's coming from. They were just checking the box. Our hearts are so deceitful that your heart will make up good reasons to miss the Lord's day. Satan has you right where he wants you. Thomas Brooks says that. Precious remedies against Satan's devices. Says that if he can taint your sin with, with virtues and make you think your sin is actually right, he's got you right where he wants you. And your heart is so deceitful, it will make up reasons why you can't honor the Lord on the Sabbath. And I'm telling you now, there's no good reason not to spend the entire day resting and thinking, Lord, nothing takes precedent over the finished works of Christ. It's the best day of the week. Parents, are you making it enjoyable for your kids? 
Are you the Sabbath police? You will not. Have you thought about making it fun for them? It is the best day of the week. And you can't say it's the best day of the week and punish them for it because it's Sunday. The Lord doesn't punish us on this day. It's a blessing. Make it a blessing for them. Make them enjoy it. And maybe some of you are thinking, well, you know what? It is a day of rest. I'll just sleep all day, and I'm just going to check that box and not do anything. Listen, did you know the Pharisees say you can't do anything? They just make it really easy to sleep. I think some of them are lazy, honestly. And here comes Jesus healing people. Think about the healings they did. Majority of them what? On the Sabbath. Why? Because he's saying, listen here, it's just not a day to sleep. It's a day to work for him. It's a day to go out and serve him. It's the day to set up chairs and take down chairs. It's the day to do it with a joyous heart. It's the day to go play piano for a church that needs a piano. It's the day to preach. It's the day to serve. It's the day for the Lord when we're out serving Him with works of mercy and works that we may have to do of necessity. The Lord's day is so great because the work is done. What other day of the week can you come to church? A complete wreck. What a day of the week. You're a complete wreck, a complete mess. Your hair's half dressed, your kids maybe even dirty. And you come in here weeping and crying. And do what did Paul say the church does? Instead of putting your burdens on some beast to carry, you have other people to carry your burdens for. It's the beauty of the church. We're all in the same boat. Pastor David, we text every morning before we preach and evening, and he says, I said, I'm praying for you, brother. He says, just pray for me. I feel like my Pastor David's a very academic genius. Much more than me. I'm not as organized. <laughs> you know that about me. And he's like, I just don't, I, I feel that I got a mess. And I said, well, when you get there and preach, you'll be a good company. Because <laughs> the rest of us are a mess. And we come here, we carry it. We stretch our burdens to the Lord, and he takes care of us. Use the day as a special day. Use the day to, to, to serve the Lord. Enjoy this day. And remember, the heart's deceitful in the day. Use the day to visit shuttings. Use the day to go visit people who may not be here. Call them. Take a rest for the glory of God. And enjoy that the work is finished. As we close, I skip what? Partly because I'm going to use it in conclusion. But, but I want to talk about why the Sabbath is important. Look at verse 24. Verse 24 says, But if you listen to me, declares the Lord, and bring in no burden by the gates of the city on the Sabbath day, but keep the Sabbath day holy and do no work on it, then there shall enter the gates of this city kings and princes who sit on the throne of Israel, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their officials, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and this city shall be inhabited forever. People shall come from the cities of Judah and the places around Jerusalem, from the land of Benjamin, from the Shephelah, from the hill country, and from the Negev, bringing burnt offerings and sacrifices, bringing offerings and frankincense, and bringing thank offerings to the house of the Lord. Why the important? Because you'll be blessed. You'll have blessings. Why is it important? Because if you, if you don't care about the God of the Sabbath, and the promises tied to it, well, verse 27, you'll get curses. But if you do not listen to me to keep the Sabbath day holy and not to bear a burden and enter the gates of Jerusalem on the 
Sabbath day, and I will put no fire in his gates, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem, and shall not be quenched. This is a blessed day because the work of Jesus is finished. And we worship him and we sing to him, and we're with one another, carrying each other burdens. And the Lord has done so much for us. Get to know the God of creates. Get to know the God who said it is finished. And let's rejoice in him. Let's ask the Lord to bless each and every one.